0: hate to ruin the uh, suspense. The bear dies. This has nothing to do with cocaine bear, but our two <laughs> yeah. winners? Yeah, our two winners.
1: Uh, Warren on the phone, congratulations. It's at a mall in Lexington, Kentucky.
2: If you're planning your summer even, vacations, even you can better. make the pilgrimage. and Never mind Rupp Arena. Who cares about Kentucky basketball? Go visit the damn bear. And the man, mm-hmm. the great man who purchased the bear, congratulations to Jeremy, the great man who uh, emailed me. Waylon Jennings.
0: Uh, All right. Uh, Boy, uh, Waylon. Hey, that's a that, story in itself. Somebody that's familiar with kind of that part of the uh, country is uh, Brandon Vogel. You have any desire to go see Cocaine Bear when it opens up this weekend?
1: Uh, I think I can hold. I don't know
2: if I see that one in theaters. I could probably wait. You're going to wait till it's uh, out on three. DVD? Uh,
1: yeah, wait until it's out on DVD, <laughs> then buy a DVD player and uh, figure out how to use that. I'd say. Wayland Jennings, uh one of the best music biographies I think I've ever read. It's
0: uh it's a wild ride. So uh, he, recommendation there. Um he he has a wild life. I mean, if you think <laughs> about like the seventies and eighties music, it seemed like every song that he put out was like a hit.
1: Yeah. You go through his catalog, there's there's a lot there. Wayland's Wayland's one of my favorites. Uh I
0: now, now you now we've gone down a rabbit hole. So some people don't, you know, the only way they know Waylon Jennings is he was the theme song to Dukes of Hazard. So do you have a favorite? Because we could get into a long discussion. Here. We may not talk about anything sports here. Do you ha- what is <laughs> what would be your Waylon Jennings go-to song?
1: Oh, man, that looks tough. I really love the album Old Waylon um and so yeah. there was there's Look, that album and that was probably the thing I liked about Waylon Jennings most is he just put out a string of albums yep. in the seventies in an era where country was pretty singles driven. Still, um, I, I, his my all time favorite. His might be um, honky tonk heroes or mm. his cover of the Bob Wills classic "Faded Love." It's
0: uh, it's
1: tough to top the original there, but that one that one goes.
0: Yeah, you are right. So that old Waylon was late seventies, and I know. And the only reason I know a lot about him is he was my one of my dad's favorite artists is that's the lookenbach Texas yes that is off of that. Texas. but it was like every every year or every other year he was putting out an album yeah. like in the late 70s fantastic
2: see shine is a great song shine's one of my favorites
0: he, he had expensive habits so yeah. he, he <laughs> was, uh, <laughs> that, that's a that's a that's an interesting way to uh put it all right Brandon Vogel from uh, hail varsity the magazine hail joining us so as Nebraska gets their first commit of 24, and it has a chance to be one of those uh, epic classes if Dylan Raiola says yes. And I'm looking as we put to bed the 23 class and their approach to recruiting. What do you think, from, from here on out, either a, a Dylan Riola in a class or not, what do you think will be the ceiling for a Matt Rule recruiting class at Nebraska?
1: Um, really good question. Uh, I, I want to think it can, it can be a little bit higher though. We've seen over a number of different coaches at Nebraska at this point that, you know, kind of range bound recruiting is the thing. And if you're at Nebraska, you're probably going to finish somewhere between 20 and 30. Um, so if they can do better than that, um, great so far, I think their ability to, relate to guys and, and draw some interest has has been good uh, and it's always you know a little bit heightened i think at the beginning of a coaching tenure the thing that gives me a little bit of pause is i think with how they recruit uh they they like to get in early they don't like to wait around mm-hmm. um with with players that they see potential in and you know a lot of times you're going to get some players who maybe nebraska provides a recruiting bump for those guys i mean i think Bradley, Four-star prospect, but is kind of in that group, too. The most recent commit, um, you know, the offer list, I think, included Texas Tech at Campbell University, which I I appreciated. Mike Benner, (laughs) camp of approval. But, you know, it still feels like Nebraska's getting in early on that kid if he becomes what they think he can be. So it'll be a little bit of a balance. I think, you know, top end, if they can finish inside the top 20, you know, on a regular basis, they're doing really well.
2: Well, and kind of a similar question of I know it remains to be seen, but what your gut would tell you, how this staff's recruiting is kind of defined? Would you say you feel like this recruit, this staff can recruit more closer to you know getting some of the four stars and big names, or will it be maybe more defined about how it develops those you know those two stars and, and sort of those projects that we know that Matt Rule and the staff kind of get excited about? Do you think it it might be defined more by that than it would be by getting, you know, a bunch of four stars and even the occasional five.
1: Yeah, I think um, they definitely have the, top, the capability, I think, to get those those top-end players. But with, with their history and Nebraska's history as a program, I think you need to be defined by your ability to develop, yeah. which, you know, is a pretty well-worn thought. But you look at Temple, you look at what they did at Baylor, Uh, They did that in in two very different places, and Nebraska happens to be a place where I think most of the time you you have to do it. I mean, it's it's hard for me to imagine. And you know, we didn't have the same kind of recruiting uh, ratings and and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. They were around, but it was you know hit or miss. Mm -hmm. It's hard to even know like how well Nebraska was recruiting in say like 1992, 93. You can kind of get some pieces there, but nothing like we we treat it today. So Nebraska consistently landing a class that is majority four stars. You know, uh, we haven't seen it really, uh, yeah. at least not in any kind of recent capacity. So it would be it'd be interesting to find out. But I still think it's a program where you've got to be. You've got to be good in terms of identification and then, of course,
0: development. We've we've gotten very lucky in the media as Nebraska has introduced their new assistants to the media and everybody gets to hear from them. Well, we finally get to the end today, and it, it's quite an... There's, I, I kind of feel bad for uh, Rob Dvorak because you're like, uh, oh, you're just a linebacker coach. And, oh, by the way, you have to go with a strength and conditioning coach who has gained a lot of popularity. And then Donovan Raiola who very rarely speaks to the media, uh, but is the only guy that has been retained. And I think every coach has brought him up. Matt Rules specifically brought him up and explained the why on why he retained him. What do you think will be the general line of questions that Coach Riola will be asked today?
1: Well, yeah, I, it's going to be really interesting with him because it, it has been a while since we, we've heard from him, even though he's, he was retained. Who probably starts you know fairly easy with you know you describe the connection here that you found with this new staff and wanting to stay here and then I think pretty quickly we'll move into some impressions of last year how that went and that'll be the interesting part to see how much detail uh we're willing to go in there I'm guessing not a lot um but I think that'll be kind of it so he, he's going to be an interesting one because he is the guy who bridges these, these two eras at this point. And, you know, it, it's not hard to look at Nebraska's O-line. And if you if you really peer into it, you can see a little bit of progress from, from where they've been. But it was nothing where you said, hey, this is top half of the Big Ten, uh, which I think is where you got to be to be pretty competitive
0: on the offensive line. On that offensive line, how many spots do you think are spoken for before they ever get out of spring football? Hmm, I'm going to
1: guess maybe just one or two at best. And even that, it might be still totally open, I think, going into the offseason. I think they've got enough time for that. And there's enough uncertainty there. I mean, there's some guys we know that are coming back that played a good amount of football. But again, you know, the past three, four seasons haven't been up to what, what anybody, I think, would say they need to be. So, it, uh, you, you go into I mean, getting getting rally back is, is, is a big deal, I think. Um, it'll it, be interesting to see how he comes back off the year off. It, and then, is the only... Ben, is, ben Scott's going to yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say that, and I'm sorry to cut you off because you're, you're going where I'm going. Is Ben Scott really the only one that we can all kind of say, yep, that's a guaranteed starter. He's the man in the middle when they kick off against Minnesota in August?
1: I mean, I, that's kind of... I, where i'm starting from you look it's, it's the spot they've got to fill You bring in an experienced guy who, who played a good amount of football in a power five conference um it's honestly one of the first ones i go to along with with nori of like those are the two that i kind of feel the best about um maybe strangely enough maybe not strangely enough uh, maybe that's the consensus feel but Bill Connolly put out a really interesting story this week on transfers and, and talking about O-line transfers and how those have been one of the most fruitful fruitful positions for transfers. Those guys come in, and almost from whatever level they come from, they've performed, or at least they did in 2022. Sample hmm. size is still small.
2: Well, and I'm... Um... I want to get back to another guy that, you know, Sharpie mentioned is going to be speaking today that we, you know, oh, yeah, hey, by the way, you know, you got Donovan Raiola, you got the strength conditioning coach, and Rob Dvorak, who's handling the linebackers. When we think about this defensive transformation and how important some of those guys with experience are going to be, again, Dvorak and what he kind of has in front of him what do you, what do you kind of feel like is going to be sort of again maybe similar question the line of question but maybe the the key things that he has to hit on today with that group that is going to be a big piece of this transformation?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting group. I think it's an important group. Mm-hmm. You, know, you look at the role those linebackers are going to be asked to play in kind of you know the base scheme as as we know it at this point. They're going to be asked to do a lot. And, and the advantage he has there is you've got two guys that are, I would consider pretty much rocks in, in Reimer and Henrich. Right. Um, so that's good. You're going to be better in there in the middle, at least. And, and we'll see how it pencils out from there uh, Edge rusher. I don't know if that's going to fall under him, if that's going to go under the line coach, um, but obviously a lot to replace on, on that front. So it's, it's been, it's been interesting. You know, Gary said he kind of felt a little bit bad for him. And I, I mm-hmm. do too. Uh, though maybe maybe he likes it, you know. He's been the one, the coach. I think gets brought up the least. Yeah, yeah. One of the last,
2: yeah.
1: last ads. And as, as Gary was saying, now you go with. Well, we huh. haven't talked to Dylan Williams for months and months and months, and he bridges these areas. And then strength coach is always a little bit rare. So yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully he gets he gets the the full amount.
0: Yeah, and it so and then also as, as you guys were just mentioning on your question from Nick, I mean. That is a position that you go, okay, there's, well, Reimer for sure. Yeah. I mean, Nick Henrich is going to be out for the spring. You are a little bit depleted there, and you're wondering, what do we got for backups? I mean, he's almost a guy that we talk about Garrett McGuire trying to figure out his room. Man, try figuring out a good four to five linebackers that Nebraska is going to have yeah. that, that maybe some guys aren't even on campus yet
1: might not be. Um, a, a guy or two might, you know, technically still be listed in the secondary. I don't think that's out of the question um, when you you look at how they're probably going to play. I mean, in, in kind of that three three five alignment, you almost treat the front six, I guess, in this case. Uh, they're, they're, they're close to one unit. They kind of need to behave as, as one unit because that's kind of what you're asking going with that alignment, and it provides some advantages, but You've got, to be, you've got to be on the same page there. It'll help Nebraska having two really experienced guys at linebacker. But beyond that, uh, you're going to need somebody, well, i to need more than somebody, but at least one to, to step up and, and be really good right away.
2: Uh, we were mentioning about Dylan Riley yesterday, too, that uh, possibly – Georgia has been maybe falling off a little bit. Are are you kind of are you kind of buying that? Do you feel like maybe it it is we're narrowing this thing to Nebraska and USC?
1: Yeah, it it, it does feel that way. I mean, the, the OC change at Georgia maybe is a, a little bit of a factor there. But at the at the way that Georgia is going, I mean, they have ascended to Alabama's category. In, in I think in most people's opinion, but certainly mine. To the point where, like, the allure of Georgia is, is probably not necessarily who is your OC, who is your position coach, right. as much as it is at some places. So I think I, I have a hard time saying, what, you know, yeah, it's a two-horse race at this point, but it does feel like the Bulldogs have maybe dropped behind the uh, the lead, too.
0: What a bizarre world. Who would have thought a year later we'd be talking about this? That Nebraska would maybe be above Georgia in pursuit of the number one player in the class of 2024. I mean, that's that's a, that's a that's a hell of a comeback for Matt Rule and primarily Matt Rule to get into that position.
1: It really is. I mean, even just being in in the conversation again for the number one player in the class, even with a Husker tie, um, is you know something we we don't see a, a, a whole lot of and then you know you're going to have to go up against the the real heavyweights of the sport at the moment uh, for a player of that caliber. And for Nebraska to kind of even be in the fight is, is impressive.
0: Hey, we'll get you out here on this. One quick question because uh, Big Ten athletic directors and other leaders had their meetings in Chicago. They wrapped up yesterday. They still, and maybe they're just saying this publicly, but I know they're working on different models behind the scenes about what the schedule will look for 2024. When do you think we'll see a schedule? And if there is a hang-up, what do you think it is?
1: Ooh, um, I, uh, SEC, does, does a, I think, does a smart thing in kind of putting out its schedule, I think, during the fall is when they typically do it. I'm guessing the Big Ten would not like to wait that long, so maybe summer would um, be a good time to do it, to get some eyes on it as, as well. I mean, I think the biggest hangup is just geography. You know, I'm all intrigued in a kind of like pods or three permanent rivals situation, but you still got the issue of somebody going to have to go to California more than everybody else. And mm-hmm. you look at Nebraska on a map, and you, you have to wonder if, if the Huskers are in those, those conversations. And, I don't know at this point, but that to me is probably the biggest hurdle. Is just somebody's going to have to go out there, you know, on basically almost an annual basis, not yeah. every two years, and that's that's you know a big ask.
0: Don't you also think TV is involved? Like, not not just hey, we we want to have the best games, but TV executives also have a voice in this.
1: Yeah, and you know, based on not with you know. The Big Ten specifically, but based on some of the stories we've seen over the years that kind of dig into this, it's probably a bigger role than anyone would imagine. But they write the checks, and the checks are big, yep. so it probably shouldn't be as surprising as maybe I, maybe it is to me.
0: Just not as big for uh, Pac-12 football. Nope,
1: <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I guess uh, probably probably saw that one coming. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a fascinating game of chicken between. Pac twelve and the big twelve with that with that contract, uh how that all
0: unfolded. But yeah. So it goes. Uh, Brandon, as always, we appreciate it. Have a great week. I, I enjoyed the conversation.
1: You too, guys. Thanks a
0: lot. Someday I'm just gonna say to somebody as our guest. I didn't like this conversation. This conversation <laughs> You know bad. what? We're gonna
2: we're gonna need a mulligan on that one.
0: Who would have thought? And maybe it makes sense because this is the way they were going, that Apple TV is gonna save the Pac twelve. It's the world we know. live in. I like a conference that has a little bit of visibility. <laughs> yep. Hmm. Maybe that have Deion Sanders negotiate the television contract. You think Dion, on his own, could negotiate at least open a door for the Pac-12? At least, he oh, could oh yeah, save
2: the Pac-12. At least open I a think door. It's going to be on lifestyle. I think he could do more.
0: I, I don't know who is all
2: a part of his um, coach prime series, uh, which will be now two years uh, running strong.
0: His non-football playing son.
2: I just think that uh you know he's got uh, he's got a little bit of that that cachet a little bit of that credibility.
0: I think he could do more than just uh open a door for George Kliakov in the in the Pac-12. Uh I mean they they have no leverage against ESPN. Do you think ESPN's scared of Apple? No.
2: Yeah. Visibility
0: nah. is everything. Yeah. There there's two conferences that are running college football and they're going to have visibility. Yeah. The SEC could have Three straight games a day, uh, a Saturday on ABC. They're going to be everywhere, mm-hmm. and the Big Ten has spread themselves out so there is visibility of Big Ten football on on at least three major networks yeah. on Saturday. Visibility is everything. The Pac-12 is not going to be visible unless you want to be a streamer. I mean, right. what is what is the future audience age going to look like for Pac-12 football? And there may not be Pac-12 football down the road. Right, they may merge, they may fall apart. But think about what the average age is going to be if if your only outlet is Apple TV. Yeah,
2: it'll be. I mean, you're probably looking at a below forty five, you know, forty four year old right. crowd.
0: Not a ton of hardcore football watchers, right. either. Huh? All right, great show, everybody. Uh, from Bronson to Royal to Scott Chandler to Brandon Vogel. All Happy birthday, the, Pebbles! <laughs> people are like, how is she only sixty? Well,
2: because she, sure well, she was. She's aged well.
0: She was born on the show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like I a, like wish a, we got to chronicle her life as she grew like up. Like The Flintstone
0: too. characters aren't like a dog. It's not like times seven. So she's not 420 no. <laughs> years old. Exactly. Yeah. All right. uh, we'll have one more opportunity for you tomorrow to win uh, tickets to uh, Cocaine Bear, our watch party, uh, tomorrow night. But all the uh, replay segments, good discussion to open the show about our thoughts on what happened last night at the Chai between Creighton and Marquette. That's up uh, at 1620 The Zone on the Sharp and Hanley page. Uh, for Jimmy, for Nick, I'm Gary. The Crossover with uh, a very, very disappointed Billy Blue Jay, Connor Happer, crushed. (laughs) He's uh, coming up next. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 6.